how would you explain what it is that you do to somebody that really has no clue? They don't know any better. Yeah, I mean, if you look around at, at, at the world today, it's just a huge pool of uh, worldviews, uh, religions, spiritualities. And this, this was me a few years ago. As I, I just didn't know because there are so many philosophies out there, um, so many uh, ways of practicing, so many different voices out there. It can be just overwhelming. You don't know where to go or where to look or who to listen to. So I was a Christian. I was actually a Christian fundamentalist for about four years, evangelical. So I believe the earth was 6,000 years old. I believe people were going to hell and all of that. Then I went to university and got a degree in English and uh, religious studies. So uh, that opened up my eyes because uh, the professors there were very much more, they're a lot more secular than what I had been kind of raised with. So they opened my eyes to a lot more. Um, and having coming out of being a fundamentalist, it really was looking around and saying, okay, so, you know, what's, what's, what now? Because there's just so much beliefs, you know, um, there's atheism, there's materialism, there's idealism, there's, um, a lot of isms, pantheism, pantheism, so many isms. He's like, mm -hmm. which one is like, I, I don't know. And yeah, I really just, uh, I, I don't believe, I'm not saying I believe in the power of prayer or anything like that, but I did pray one last time before. I left Christianity. I didn't know who I was praying to. I just said, right, if there's anything out there, or maybe I'm praying to my higher self, I don't know how, how this works. I said, just, just show me the truth. And I was crying saying that I said it from literally the deepest part of my being. I said, show me the truth. It was just, I don't care what it is. Show me the truth. Mm. Um, if I don't like the truth, I don't care. Um, if I have to, you know, basically it's, it's like, I, I would die to know the truth. Essentially. It's like this wow. yearning for truth that uh, I don't care if, if, if I don't like it. And I don't think many people have that kind of yearning. They're, usually people these days are looking to either to defend a position that they're already kind of emotionally holding on to or, or something like that. Hmm. Um, but I, I'm taking, I'm kind of answering around your question a little bit, but um, for people who've never heard this and um, it's an, almost impossible to talk about, but it's really just being with what is right now and there's no it's you don't need to adopt the belief system you don't need to adopt a philosophy of idealism you don't need to uh, practice in a certain way in order to reach a certain goal you don't need to worship any deities none of that all of that is kind of out because really in direct and immediate experience it's just thoughts that's thoughts it's thoughts that are collected and built into beliefs um, which are built into cultures and, and all of that. And really it's just literally just a thought. So what's, what's more immediate than that? And when I was kind of looking into that, I came across Sam Harris and the, his waking up app, <clears throat> this is a few years ago and I did the waking up course. And obviously Sam Harris is kind of anti-religion. He's kind of anti-superstition. Um, but he's still talking about this waking up thing. And I was like, that's kind of curious. So it was really, it, it all started with Sam Harris really and listening to him and also learning about kind of the Eastern traditions in the university as well. And it just immediately had an impact. Um, mindfulness, just general mindfulness, um, had a huge toll instead of being angry at somebody for like four days, you could mindfully look at the anger and just watch it as like a passing cloud. And that just like it's the difference as sam harris says between being angry for four minutes and being angry for four hours and i was like okay basically said okay where else does this lead 
And then it just it kind of all took off from there, really. I got employed as a meditation teacher then for Healthy Gamer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Healthy Gamer. No. Um, it's a YouTube. Um, they've got nearly 2 million subscribers now. Dr. Alok Kanojo, he's a Buddhist monk. Um, he's also a Harvard psychiatrist. So I work for them wow. uh, teaching meditation sessions uh, on Discord to like groups of up to 100 people. I've been doing that for the last two years. And then, of course, I discovered Angelo DeLulo. I think you've interviewed Angelo as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's awesome. He's, he's truly awesome. Um, I love Angelo so much. And he's really um, had a huge impact on me as well. And just my own practice. I've been to a retreat and just really digging into Eastern texts. And um, my best friend, who I started working with two years ago, I met him two years ago, was in the Advaita Vedanta tradition. And he's been doing that for... 17, 18 years. So he got me into Rupert Spira. He kind of took me under his wing and kind of mentored me. So I was really much, I was very much in the Advaita um, sphere, if you will. But more recently, I've kind of moved into, um, again, this is not to say that I, I'm, I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Hindu, or these are just conventional ways of talking, but I lean more towards the practices that um, uh, Buddhism kind of points towards, uh, Dzogchen, um, Mahayana Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, these kind of these kind of schools, these ways of pointing have resonated more with me. Mm. Um, but really, you can forget all that, and I would just point someone. You know what? What is this? What is? Who are you when you don't? When you can't reference a thought? When you can't reference a, another belief system? And just dive right into that. Just just dive right there yeah. and go down the rabbit hole and see where it leads you. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just it's that it's that simple, really. Yeah, seriously, I think that's the appeal, at least for me in eastern philosophy is the fundamentals of it are that i mean they're put in kind of nuanced and poetic ways sometimes but it really seems like the fundamentals of eastern philosophy like buddhism zen advaita vedanta point you to here the present moment you know come come back home um and there's different teachers and all different flavors to it but i think that's the big difference between um you know western abrahamic dogmatic religion and an actual an actual practice of spirituality and Hmm. actually exploring what's real yeah what would you say is the appeal in eastern philosophy for you so i've always i've always been interested in the mind so i've um always had a kind of leaning towards psychology so i've been always interested in you know what's how does the mind mind aspect work and uh, I really kind of got catapulted into it with with Dr. K. Alok. So again, as I said, he's a Buddhist monk, but he is also a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. So he combined the the science and the the Eastern side together, and that just fascinated me. That was just like, yeah. whoa! He's like, this is just like he's not he's not saying you know you have to do this or you will get reincarnated in a lower realm or mm-hmm. you know it's like nothing dogmatic. It was just like where do thoughts come from? What are the nature of thoughts? Uh, who are you? And it's like, these are just fascinating questions. So I've always just had a natural sort of inclination towards mind stuff, if you will. <laughs> mind stuff. Yeah. I've come to find that um, Eastern philosophy, if put right, is a sort of science. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, 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 it is. Yeah. It's science doesn't have any strict, strict uh, Western um, science, I suppose, you know, the scientific method, but really this is a kind of a science of the mind, yeah. if you will. And you're using attention to as your surgical tool to really investigate into the nature of what is a sensation and it, it, the whole universes upon universes open up for you uh, when you do that. Yeah, man. Seriously. 
Wow. So if we can try to explain it, um, how would you describe what it is that you found in your investigations? Is there um, anything <laughs> that your explorations have yielded for you that you'd be able to explain to us? You've given me a, a race baton now and I can just run away and start talking about it for like two hours straight. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I got time <laughs> take it back a bit. Um, yeah, I've got uh, as much time as you need today as well. So it's, it's, it's all cool. good. Um, it is impossible to talk about, but I have, I'm creating a little bit of a website now and I have written my own sort of ontology, if you will. This is completely relative. Ken Wilber does this. Um, it's relative language, just basically describing my own experience because we can take all the language. I can, I can, you know, show you the, the Tibetan stages to enlightenment and I can say, okay, yeah, well there I am. Uh, but really that's adopting another school's position. So, um, I've been working with somebody who I really, really enjoy working with. Um, we'd be like a Mahayana Buddhist and he really encouraged me to make my own ontology, just basically put in, into my own words, in my own experience, what it is that basically I experience. So I created my own sort of stages to my own realization, if you will. And if that helps anybody um, by hearing it in different kind of kinds of words, then that's, that's great. So really it's, it's very similar to kind of what Angelo says. So it really starts out with what he calls awakening or Kensho in Zen, it's called Kensho awakening. And the way I would describe this is, the vast majority of people on this earth are going around identified with a psychological self. Adi Shanti calls it the psychological self. So the idea of who you think you are. So I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a shitty person. Uh, nobody loves me. These are all, these are all ideas. And we consciousness for whatever reason is self-reflective in nature. So it identifies with these characters, these mental characters, yeah. essentially. Narratives. And that's, yeah, narratives, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this is who people genuinely think, this is who we think we are. 99% yeah. um, of humanity thinks they are the thought constructed identity of themselves. And I actually had that Kensho awakening very strange when I was a child, actually, into the, the pure experience of just being, if you will, um, prior to any of those concepts. So if you ask yourself, who am I? Um, prior to those concepts, there's some every thought from your head right now, you'd still be here. Um, so if you were to remove every thought from your head, every concept of who you think you are, then what's left. And to me, that was the pure sense of being, you could call it the pure sense of I am. That was the word I used to kind of like just the pure or the pure sense, the feeling of just knowing itself. Yeah. I had that as a child, but I didn't know what it was. Didn't talk about it with anybody. Mm -hmm. And then until I found Angelo, um, I spoke with Angelo and he was like, yeah, that's an awake. That's, that's an, a, how I would classify an awakening. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Um, but it was, it was so simple, um, which is why I overlooked it because I always thought awakening was some like explosive, like yeah. I'm going to bliss out and transcend through different dimensions and, you know, spiritual and awakening, but it was yeah. just the pure experience of I am just I, yeah. I just, just the I and resting as that was kind of beautiful. And then I took off from there. This happened over the space of nine, of nine or 10 months. It happened really quickly. And then I entered into what I would call a kind of non-dual um, phase. And I was walking through the streets of Dublin and the sense of I am, which I felt like was just located here, the, uh, the pure sense of just me, 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 me. 
it just began to energetically, the best way I can describe it, it's just began to energetically like spill out onto like everything. So the sounds, the forms, the the buildings. So the the pure sense of I or the pure sense of being was no longer here located somewhere. It was like, it was everywhere. And I no longer felt like I was the most important thing on the street. It was like mm-hmm. energetically kind of just got pushed out onto everything. And that's kind of what we mean by, by non-duality. Ken Wilber points to this really well is if you, if you taste the pure sense of I am, or if you taste the pure sense of the wit, the witness, witnessing awareness, just feel that, and then open your eyes and look at a mountain or look at a building, the perception, the visual form is, is of the same taste. Um, everything is sort of made of you. And that was, yeah, that was beautiful. That felt like childhood again. That really. Was it um, spurred by anything or was it just, you just, just happened? Oh, I was, I've, I'd been inquiring um, oh, a lot, okay. but it, it didn't make sense. I, I heard Angelo and uh, other people kept saying like, I'm here and there at the same time. And it just made yeah. no sense to me. It's like, how can you be here and there at the same That's, that's just complete nonsense. Yeah. I actually, I remember like putting in Facebook groups, like arguments against this, because I was like, this is, this is makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you, how can I be the laptop, but be here? Uh, but I was making a crucial mistake because I was identifying with my perspective. Yeah. So I had assumed that my perspective was everywhere. And of course, if your perspective was here and here and here and here, you wouldn't be able to see anything. It would just be like a, a blob. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't make sense to say it like that. So it's it's not that. It's the fundamental sense of who you are is just kind of gets pushed out onto anything. And as I was saying, it felt like childhood. And I kind of realized this in, in this moment is uh, people who are always like, I kind of miss something from childhood. I miss the kind of spontaneity. I miss the the, the flow. I miss the the connection I had with, with things to wonder. Yeah, exactly. I was like, holy shit, there it is again. It's like, I haven't felt this since I was five years old. And it really, it really is true. You know, a child is just playing in a sandpit and he's not like constructing up like distances between them. It's just, it's just the digger. It's just the sky. It's just the, he's not reflecting, reflecting, reflecting this, this, this character in his head all the time. It's just play. And it's just, it's just movement and it's just wonder. And I got that, um, that that became experientially kind of clear to me and it was yeah as i said it felt like childhood um after that i inquired more and more and more kind of stabilized a bit um there was doubt in there as well doubt was a big part of this path it was like am i really experiencing this is this really it um but eventually it kind of becomes undoubtable to it in, in a certain degree and then i was at retreat this is kind of the something terrifying happened to me actually I was sitting at retreat and the whole question of identity was, was just, it's just going through my mind. I was obsessed with it. Who, like who, who, what is the sense of self fundamentally? And I just, through the rounds and rounds and rounds of meditation, um, it was like a lightning flash. It was literally like getting hit by a bolt of lightning and it just became clear and obvious that there is absolutely there's no self um, here or anywhere in the universe. There's nothing holding the sounds and the, the the thoughts and the visual forms and the sensations. There's nothing holding any any of it together. And this is this might be where uh, I might come into a cla- into a clash with how maybe someone in the Advaita Vedanta tradition might describe it. Um, but Angelo describes it as there's there's nothing between thoughts, feelings, sensations, and perception. It's like just them. Um, there's no background awareness hiding anywhere. There's no um, space kind of holding it up like a fishbowl. And it literally felt my, it felt like my whole identity was kind of 
falling through the cracks. I was falling through the cracks of the sensations into like an infinite kind of void. And my body reacted with huge, huge fear. Um, I literally, I had a panic attack. I sat straight up out of the chair, walked out of the room and I just basically started panting. And I was like, okay, I've gone too far. It's like, I've, I've done it now. It's like, I've gone after, I'm after going over the edge here and I can't go back. And I was terrified. But after literally after a minute, I text the, the person I'm working with and I said, I'm, this is, this is, this is, I can't like, I've gone too far. And he just said, sit with the fear, sit with the fear, sit with the fear. And I sat with the fear. And then it just, after that, it just, things just became beautiful. I got, I just, I didn't go back to retreat. I called up my friends and I went skateboarding. Uh, and it was beautiful. It was just no, it was just seeing that moment that there, there was never a self. There never needed to be a self in experience. It's, it's as John Aston says, it's just experiencing with no sense of I behind that kind of peering in on it or looking in on it or holding it together, it. Mm -hmm. trying to change it, manipulate it. It's just, it's just what's happening, happening. And there doesn't need to be a self to manage it at all. There's, there doesn't need to be anything to hold it all okay. together. Yeah. And that's, that, that was, yeah, that's been probably the biggest shift for me, I think. Uh, and then recently over the last month, I've been investigating and even just to an even subtler degree, um, this thing called attention. So th this is the final part I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the attention. We feel like it's coming out of our heads towards something. So I feel like I'm paying attention to the microphone and attention is somehow like coming out and kind of directing itself towards this. Um, but I, I, it's kind of seen that that's, that's literally just a construct of the mind that you think attention is coming from be behind your eyes and out towards something. And then, okay, well, if attention is not coming from the head, then where's the knowing coming from? Where's the attention coming from? And then it becomes clear. Um, this is kind of true anatta in, in Buddhism. It's things are kind of self-aware, if you will. Things are known by themselves to themselves. They're born out of themselves and die into themselves. And there's no, there's no center or locus of attention to which any of it is happening. There's no center. There's no center um, uh, homunculus, as Sam Harris says, behind the eyes that's kind of receiving everything. And yeah, after, everything after that is, is, is quite, is quite magical. So that's, again, that's my long-winded kind of short answer. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You could also say there's no center, then everything is the center. Mm. Right? Yes, exactly. So where, where, where is the center? You could say it both ways. Um, yeah, two sides it's, of the it's, same coin. It's, it's very paradoxical to, to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of impossible to talk about in a way. So yeah, that's essentially in my own language. That's how I would describe what I, I've been through, basically. That's pretty essentially. beautiful, man. How could you um, describe why it's so beautiful? Why is that like a sense of, ah, uh, when you get the, the hint that <laughs> there is no center? Oh, how to describe this? You ask good questions. I've never been asked this before. Um, I would say, so an example I use is, 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 is thoughts, first of all. So before any of this, I would, let's say I went to a party um, and I was really enjoying myself. It wouldn't be too long before a thought would creep up and the sense of self would creep up beside that thought. And the thought would be like, well, you've schooled, you've like school tomorrow or you have college tomorrow or you have work tomorrow 
So you can't really enjoy this moment. And it's always about like something's coming around the corner. So I can't enjoy this moment. Or if I'm not enjoying this moment, then I will be enjoying some moment in the future. So it was always this, this cycle of like constantly being dissatisfied, but with seeing through the self, there's absolutely no relational quality to the thoughts anymore. So they're just like bubble, like, um, appearing to nobody. So a thought can literally just be a thought. And so if I'm happy with my friend skateboarding and a thought comes up saying you've worked tomorrow and your boss is a dickhead, mm-hmm. it's like, that's literally just a thought. Mm-hmm. It's literally, it's just a thought. It's not made of anything. It's just an insubstantial shimmering, if you will. And it doesn't refer back to any sort of a center. So it's allowed to just, just come and go, yeah. <laughs> come and go as it pleases. It's, yeah. it's, and there's such a sense of freedom to that because, um, really it's, it's just, it's satisfaction to a whole other degree because it's satisfaction without any reason to be satisfied at all. There's no reason to be satisfied other than just this and this microphone and the sensations in your hands. There's no other reason to be satisfied. Whereas before, because there's a center, the center always has to feel satisfied about something, about a, an event coming up or about a, uh, a party you're going to go to or the new movie you're going to watch. Um, but since that center is kind of empty, to use Buddhist language, empty of inherent existence, it's just, there's no, you don't need a reason to, <laughs> to be content anymore because contentment is just the natural state, if you will. I see. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not excitement. It's not happiness and, you know, dopamine rushes. It's just, it's just thing. It's impossible to talk about, but it's just things as they are and things as they are just happen to be fine. Just everything's fine. Everything just is fine. Really yeah. is fine. And contentment is just there, I guess. Mm. So it's about finding maybe a sense of equanimity in all moments of our life. Yes, exactly. Mm. I, lo- I love the word equanimity, whether mind is moving in anxiety or thinking about things or whether you're in meditation and stillness, it's no different. It's both, it's all luminous, empty mind. So in a way, contentment is in uh, a fly on the wall. Contentment is, is the dog shit on the floor. It's like contentment is, it's unbound, if you will. So there's no, uh, there's no reason for it to, there's no reason for contentment. Contentment just is, again, I'm I'm using, um, it's hard to talk about in language, but that's kind of the best, the best way I would sort of talk about it. I like that contentment. It's a word I actually, I don't think I've ever used before, but it makes a lot of sense. And it's funny when you think about it etymology, etymological wise, like you think in content meant like you're filling something, right? Yes. But it's ironic because you describe that everything is empty. So it's like, I, I don't know, there's something in there in the phenomenology of it, like the yeah. contentment that you find in the moment when you find a sort of sense of emptiness, there's, there's something in there, you know, because there's nothing to fill, isn't there? There's nothing, there's no, there's no hidden void anywhere to that you need to fill. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like you find contentment because it's, it's already, it's already full. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, we may as well just stop the conversation and sit in silence now because uh, I like, guess like, <laughs> yeah. we, I can see like, we're both like running out of language and it's like, you go to a Zen school and it's like, show me enlightenment. And that they'll like hit you with a stick across the, the head. And it's like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. enlightenment. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's valuable about Zen and Zen Kohans is 
they don't necessarily show you stuff. Um, they show you, they show you what isn't, um, you know, they, it's more of like a negative thing and not negative as mm. in bad, negative mm. as yeah. in negating stuff, you know, taking away the fluff and the noise so that one can come to reside in the contentment. I feel like a lot of spiritual prescriptions, it's like, you need to do this, you got to do this, you know, there's a certain kind of uh, rule book. But Zen to me is like uh, the anti-rule book in a way, mm. you know? You're, you're just, you're using your immediate and direct experience. I mean, Zochen essentially means cutting, you know, you're cutting through. Yeah. Um, you're, you're cutting through a delu delusion of the mind. They use these, these strong words called, you know, you're delusional and you're, you're ignorant and there's ignorance everywhere, but it's not as harsh as you, as, as they make it to be, but it really is just working in your direct and immediate experience. You don't, you don't need a rule book. You don't need a, I know have, haven't said that I have actually met people who are actually very realized people, um, who still are very devout Buddhists and would say, no, you need to like, if you want to get enlightened, you have to do this and you have to practice this way. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but um, it, what I would say is it's it's just, yeah, using attention as a surgical tool, as you said, and Zen does that so well, um, just cutting through delusion, cutting through um, the clouds of, of, of identity and, and thought and, and all of that. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's, just access, it's accessible to every human being on the planet. And you don't have to be from a culture or you don't have to be in a certain tradition or anything like that. Maybe certain traditions will help you a little bit more than others, but human consciousness or um, the nature of, of, of mind or experience is already like this for all, all human beings everywhere. And so there's nobody who has special access at all. There's no information that I have. There's no information that you have that um, somebody else doesn't have mm -hmm. because it's all, it's already everybody, you know, everybody is, is a Buddha. If, if, <laughs> if yeah. a famous saying uh, once said, yeah, right. That's the beauty of it. It's all within. It's just so accessible. That's the thing about this. It's like, it's deceptively simple. Um, mm, hidden in it's, plain sight. It's, it's hidden in plain sight. It's right in front of your face. It's like, it's, it's, it's the sensation of your fingers moving across each other like that. It's like, <laughs> it's like in that, if you just focus on that, it's just like, where's the edge to that sensation? What's that sensation made of? You've no idea. It's a total mystery. Is there any identity in that sensation? Is that sensation going anywhere? Is it, it's like, it's like, woo, <laughs> it's yeah. like pure mystery. It's like right there. What would you say are the biggest, um, how do I put this? What hampers us from being able to find that contentment? Why do we seem to go astray and not see this quote unquote truth that is in plain sight? Maybe you can speak personally, but like what took you away from that? You know, what do you think, uh, what's holding us back? It's a really good question. And I can only, I can only really speak from direct experience again. There's, there's, um, you can kind of talk, uh, talk about, you know, the philosophical reasons or the psychological reasons, but experientially for me, I found that really the <clears throat> suffering is, is really has to do with solidity. And that first of all starts with believing that there's a solid independent, um, self that has a core and that there's solid independent world out there that is interacting with that solid core and are coming into clash and are 
kind of fighting against each other all the time. Oh, yeah. Life isn't going my way. Mm-hmm. Um, this thought is disturbing me. Uh, this person said something to me. I don't like this job that I'm in and it's making me miserable. Um, this emotional anxiety is, is solid. It's real and it's happening to a real solid me. And it's just this, it's this constant push against each other. Um, and that's like that for everybody. It's just itself, itself an object always just in constant kind of battle against each other and illusory sort of battle against each other. Yeah. And what's born from that is just a whole, a whole system of generated thought that constructs up even more identities and even more um, hypotheses about, you know, how my life is going and how it should be going. And then you throw time in there. So time is also a solid, real thing. Mm -hmm. And basically that's the short answer. It has to do with solidity. And once the kind of, you see the emptiness, inherent existence of like a self, and then the world kind of begins to empty out slowly after that as well. It's like, it's no longer this clash between a solid self and a, a solid world. It's just like, it's like this, it's it, everything is um, more airy, if you will. Um, nothing, life isn't taken too seriously anymore because I mean, uh, uh, you, you just, attention tries to look at a, at a thought that's causing you anxiety. And it's just like, you can't even find the location of the thought. You can't even find what it's really made of. You can't find its edges or its borders. It's like a, it's like a cloud of mist. Again, it's kind of just lost its solidity. And I really think that's, in my if just speaking from experience i really think that's kind of it it's just it has to do with solidity both of the self and of of the external seemingly real and solid world mm-hmm. that's kind of how i experientially answer it solidity yeah that's good i mean sounds like ego might be another word you can call it many things yeah. uh, i like to use the word solidity because that's it just um it rings true for me it's just you know if you just if you if you sit and you recognize times when you're really, really angry, or you're really, really upset, you'll notice that there's a, to use Buddhist kind of jargon here, there's a codependent arising happening. There's a a self coming up, a solid self coming in contact with solid emotional anger. And the two of them are like codependently arising with each other. And it's so, it's very, very uncomfortable. Um, But once you see that the two of them lean on each other, then none of them really have inherent existence. And it's just like, it's just like air flowing through air, space flowing through space. And um, yeah, it really kind of, uh, you sort of annihilate, but it does annihilate a, a good chunk of suffering, um, out of life by seeing the emptiness of, of, of self specifically. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically how I would, I would answer it. Mm. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. This is good. We've covered a lot of ground so far. <laughs> <laughs> that's cause I can't stop talking. I just, I told you, I like that. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Love this talking is, about uh, this is what it's all about, man. Hmm. I don't even know where to go. I mean, how would you uh, recommend somebody start on this path? Just basic meditation, basic curiosity. Yeah, it's it's another tricky question because <clears throat> I really believe that you have to have a natural inclination towards this. Like, you can't force anybody into this. You can't force somebody to wake up or see their true nature or see the, the non-solidity of things. It just won't, it just will not happen. Um, we all do deep down. We all have like a that yearning, like there's something in every single human being that kind of knows, but we're, we got it covered up in layers, you know? Absolutely. Reality is always wanting to wake up, wake itself up, of course. But I, I think for some people, it's just, 
it's it's so clouded in identities that during whatever particular time in their life they're whatever particular particular time in their life they're just not ready to hear the message and if i get this on youtube comments all the time like i was doing a live stream yesterday and like one guy commented um you know how dare you speak about you know the non-duality because this is a hindu tradition and how how dare you like a foreigner talk about my tradition and, and my non-duality and it's like the conditioning there is just it's like okay. the conditioning there is so um strong that no matter what i say or how many pointings i would give it would just kind of it would, it would just deflect and um unless he's willing to actually look at that hurt that he's feeling there mm. and look at the pain that he's feeling there um unless he has a willingness to do that then whatever i say or no matter how i try to force him to understand it's just not going to work so for that's the first thing it's like you really have to have that curiosity um like like i did and i'm sure you had when starting out as well just a yeah. want, wanting to know kind of mm-hmm. um you really have to have that i think um and that that will just take you that will take you right down the rabbit hole if you just keep keep following that angelo is great at pointing this out is that that natural curiosity you have um to just to go deeper just to find out a little bit more about your your own experience to go that little bit deeper that curiosity will take you right from first awakening it'll take you right up to no self and beyond um just keep following that 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 natural curiosity you have mm-hmm. if you have that natural curiosity i mean i have lots of i have loads of recommendations for people but depending on where they're at like i would recommend everybody start off with sam harris's waking up um the the 21 day course on on mindfulness and kind of basic non-dual mindfulness so i I really recommend everybody starts there um but there's so much resources like angelo's book awake um it's your turn i read that it's it's another fantastic resource um so you're just you're just you've almost unlimited resources so it's really about finding somebody who you resonate with if somebody speaks in a in a way that resonates with you then perfect go with that um if you find a practice that resonates with you go with that Again, there's no rules. You don't have to join a religion. And if some non-duality teacher comes to you and they're like, you have to do it my way or no other way, you run, just run, yeah. run, run away. Yep. Because you're 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 essentially abandoning your own intuition there. You're abandoning your own um that own intuition where it know it, it knows where to go already. Um, but you're abandoning that for some rule or some way of doing it that's supposedly the only way. Mm-hmm. Um so really find that that inner voice, that inner intuition that is like, mm, something's not uncomfortable with life. Um, but if I look in this direction, things seem to open up a little bit. It's like, keep going, keep going, keep going that direction. It's like this speaker I'm listening to, um, is like, is like launching me into presence. It's like, yeah, keep listening, to, keep then listen to that speaker. Um, for me, like, 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 I, I think you had John Aston as well on here. Mm-hmm. Like John, too. John asked John Aston for me, just like the the way that John Aston just like so direct. Just, yeah, just, just, just I, John has a um, talk, um, a little group of like about twenty or twenty two people every Sunday that we kind of meet up on Zoom and just explore this. And just working with him is just he's just just the way he puts things. Uh, I guess um, it is just it just lands right with me mm-hmm. and that might not land right with uh that might not land right with you that might not be the way that you want to inquire maybe john aston is just speaking complete gibberish to you and you have no idea what he's talking about um but maybe angelo if you listen to angelo it's like oh shit, yeah that, that's what you're talking about yeah of course 
so really, it's really just about finding that intuitive side to yourself. Yeah. And then just, just having a look, which who resonates with you. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yep. Intuitive guidance, man leads the way in this. I feel. Yeah, for sure. It's um, like a secret power, you know, something to tap into. It's, I think, I think Angelo, Angelo calls, you know, some that, 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 that natural kind of guiding force, if you will, or that, the, the, the awakening, it's not happening to anybody, but there's definitely some sort of a pull. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I made a video on, on YouTube called once you're in the tiger's mouth, there's no getting out of it. <laughs> um, so I, like, I truly believe if you had that first awakening shift and you've tasted, um, you know, the Bible passage, taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you've tasted, um, kind of unfiltered reality, it's going to suck you right in and there's no escaping it. Adi Shanti says the same thing. Once you've, once you've popped, once you've pinpricked the balloon, air is going to come out whether you like it or not and you can fight against it all you want but you're fighting against yeah. the most powerful force in the whole universe and <laughs> fighting against god you're, you're fighting against god so you're like <laughs> you, no you're just going to keep waking up yeah. and just give you just 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 give yourself to that it might be terrifying and it is terrifying for some people but just keep giving yourself to that and just keep waking up and keep waking up and just let it take you where it wants to take you and uh yeah it's I don't know what it is. I no way of describing it. It's mysterious, but I don't feel the need to. It's just, I guess, the intuition. It's the best word I kind of have. You know what I'm talking about, so I can tell. But um, I, I don't think. I, have you got any better word for it? I don't. I don't. Uh, intuition, a resonance in the intuition, a certain unspoken resonance that comes about in teachings, and not even teachings, just situations and directions to take my life uh just a certain guidance i think the, i like the word guidance that comes guidance, yeah. into my head um it's not like an external guidance it may seem like it maybe but it's just like uh the higher self maybe is another buzzword you can <coughs> throw in there you know something that mm. it's kind of surrendered to and lets us act more according to flow uh in this yeah. in this life um, yeah yeah I think that's it. I, it's 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 strange. It's very very strange because I'm, I'm in no way kind of um, dogmatic or you know. There's a lot of kind of beliefs that get added on to Buddhism, like higher realms, and you know the the the, the bodhicittas and the the Buddhas are kind of existing in different realms, and there's 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 hell realms, and there's all of this, and you can you know give salutations to these kind of these these other beings, these other Buddhas and things like that. And a lot of people I work with genuinely believe in that they've had direct encounters and direct experiences. Um, there's somebody I know who's, who has had a direct encounter with a Buddha supposedly, um, who's kind of guided them on their path. And I, I haven't had any of that. Don't endorse any of that. Don't believe, um, any of that really, but it's weird, man. I, I don't know. I, I like an example of this when I get really stuck. So when I was investigating the nature of attention, I was like, I just don't know where to go. And I, I, I was like, oh, you know, help me out here. I'm not speaking to anybody. It's like, I'm speaking to myself, kind of the universe. I, I am kind of everything in a way. So I, was, I don't know how this works, but I need some guidance here. And I literally like in the next hour, it's like the, the video on attention pointing in the, in, in, in the most obvious clear way to me, just, just popped out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 if you just kind of give yourself to that, some people may call it synchronicities, um, but they're kind of, they're kind of everywhere. 
And there's some sort, there's something happening that I don't know, don't know how to explain. I do not know, but there's some sort of guiding principle yeah. of some sorts. I don't know how to explain it's it. Holy Spirit, man. Let it in. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. It's some, I don't know how to, it's something, something, something wacky is going on anyway. And, uh, <laughs> Something's going on. Something's sure. going on. It is but a mystery. I, I, but either way, it's yeah. us, you know, either way, it's a yeah. part of us. That is the one. Yes. If you want to call it another yes. Buddha, if you want to call it the aliens, the higher yeah. self, whatever label, it's still mm. a part of the self with a capital S, yeah. the selfless yeah. self. It's still you, even though it might not yeah. seem like you and you may be seeing a Buddha in your bedroom, that's still somehow a part of you. Um, and I think that's really, that's how I reconcile that. I've never seen a Buddha, I don't think. I don't know, but uh, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I know if I did see a Buddha, I'd kill him. Get that yeah, if you, see a Buddha, if you see a Buddha, see a Buddha on the road, you know, kill the Buddha. And I'd kill that's him in the way knowing that, that is, that's just me. You know, that's just, that's yeah. not a Buddha. That's just a, another aspect of me. It's, a, it's an extension exactly. of what I am. Yeah. And he is an extent, I am an extension of what he is or she yeah, is. So you're, you know? you're essentially praying to yourself. So like you, it's yeah. like you're, you're answering your own prayer. In a, yeah. in a paradoxical way and you know maybe maybe if, if we study quantum mechanics or something we'll figure out how time and space works and all of this but uh you know it, direct experience it's something's happening and so I'll, I'll just i'm just gonna leave it at that something something's happening um, but we could go down we, we could go down all sorts of rabbit holes on that and i'm i'm, I'm especially weary because of my dogmatic background in kind of christian fundamentalism and the role that yeah. that kind of dogmatic beliefs have played in my life and um they don't land anywhere anymore and i don't really it's not to say i don't have time for them but i don't you know if you're coming to me and say that you need to follow shiva and if you don't pray to shiva then you're not reaching non-duality i'm like no I'm like no 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 that's that's just beliefs and i'm kind of weary obviously because of the dogmatic background i came from and telling people if you don't believe this you're going to hell it's like no yeah no i get that i totally understand that it's um what it is though is those dogmatic beliefs are really just a bunch of fingers that are pointing at the moon and everyone is mistaking those fingers <clears throat> for the moon but i mm, think in their yeah. essence it's actually it's actually truthful if you can look at those with a keen eye whether it is christianity whether it is hinduism they're all pointing toward the same thing all of these isms that we spoke about before they're all pointing toward the same thing. The key is just to not get lost at what the pointer is, you mm, know? Exactly. It's a great way. Of, that's a great way of putting it. It's just another way of saying that is we just get lost in the beliefs and the descriptions of things compared to how things actually are. Yeah. So we, we get, we get lost in the description of non-duality rather than the felt experience of it. So mm -hmm. a description of non-duality, if you are, if you're solely focused on a description or a philosophy of non-duality then that could easily turn into a cult it could easily turn into a, a description or a set of beliefs around non-duality and it can do this and it can do that if you're operating in that realm you you, you can go full cult mode um but like none, none of that exists none of that is none of that is here in direct and immediate experience none of it um so just uh, as i said go back to that intuitive sense go back to the sensations go back to the the smells the sounds that's what you're investigating you're not that's that's all that's need, needed in a sense is just this immediacy if if you will that's that's all 
Mm. That's all that's needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hard to talk about. Yeah. Amen. The immediacy. The immediacy. I like that. that. I love using that word as well. It's just pure immediacy. Um, and um, like immediacy isn't even the right word because like a lot of spiritual people will grant that, you know, that the past doesn't inherently exist or the future doesn't inherently exist. But here I am like a little person in the, in the, in the present. And a lot of this is no Eckhart Tolle, you know, the power of now and come back to the present moment. But um, it's, it's far more, it's far more paradoxical than that in a sense, because if there is no inherently existing future or past, then there really is no present either. Um, If there's no right or left, there's no middle. And you can kind of see that in direct experience because like you you try to say okay now is the present moment now the second you've said that it's gone like it's like <laughs> yeah now the thought now the thought is arisen but the second as you're saying that as you're saying that it's 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 gone as yeah. john aston says reality is is creating and destroying itself simultaneously yeah. there isn't even room there isn't even room for a present moment and <laughs> that is it's like you you just put your you try to put your finger on it's like okay that's what a sensation is that's what a thought is you, the second you move the second the, the movement of the finger very millisecond it, it starts it's already gone it's already going it's dying and being born at the same time so the the nature of of this of 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 immediacy is i love the word immediacy but it's not pointing towards the present moment it's pointing towards like yes the present moment but like the present moment is far more radical than people i think um mm-hmm. first realize um but that they will come to realize i think so it's it's yeah it's 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 bit i just use the word beautiful wondrous amazing it's reality really is all of those things i think it's a beautiful paradox yes paradox again the here and now isn't even the here and now no it's like it's like the second you say here and now it's the here and now is already gone there's no it's like it's 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 almost like it's too fast to catch it it's but that's that's not saying it correctly either um it's I visualize Again. like the, you know, the toroidal form or what is that? There's a name for it. I forget the, the snake eating its own tail. <clears throat> yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's the visualization that I get from the moment. So yeah. constant birth and death. Yeah. And that I forgot. It's not called a Taurus. It's not called, no, it's not called a Taurus. I can't remember. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, but that, that snake eating its tail. Yeah. It's, 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 it's constant. It's just, eternal eternal creation destruction yeah Yeah, it's it's on the tip of my tongue i can't just for us and the audience snake eating tail the ouroboros ouroboros bingo that's such a beautiful it's funny because when i was a christian fundamentalist i saw that as like a cult symbol and anybody that had that symbol was like a satanist or something and (laughs) it's like i was like god looked a little evil but it's actually i think it's it's fruitful hold on i'm just gonna share it just for just for kicks. I mean, I think everybody knows. What it is. <laughs> I think everybody knows and has seen the Ouroboros, but yeah, that's what I get from the moment. Bingo. There you go. All right. Oh, it's just, a, it's a constant. I mean, the thing is the snake will never be able to know itself fully. Yeah. It's like it, it, it sustains <laughs> itself. It's life, life and death. Are they co-mingling? You can't have yes. one without the other. There is never yeah. an end. Where, where does where does life meet death? It's like, yeah. mm, I don't know. 
and then that that image actually can can not only be applied to like time but kind of everything this one's cool. um, like that that is cool yeah i think that's i love this hard. i love this kind of stuff you know when i i'm just going to decorate my room with when i get like qualified and things just going to decorate my decorate my house with this kind of cool kind of stuff yeah um i was going to say that not only can that kind of image be applied to to time but it is the case with sort of everything in the sense that you know the heart sutra said uh, do you know who josh putnam is no have you heard of That's josh really putnam? Familiar. Uh, it's angelo's friend so i've interviewed him i know josh um he's got a, you should definitely check him out he's Angelo calls him the walking red pill. Um, <laughs> okay. he's, yeah, you, you, if you're going to have anybody next, it has to be Josh. He's, okay. he's, he is, he's completely, he would blow your mind. Um, he, totally. Yeah. The walking red pill. Um, but he uses that a lot, that symbol a lot. And I was, I was exchanging, um, in conversation with him through email and I was talking to him about that symbol and he was like, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of everything. And he, he sent me a passage from the heart sutra and the heart sutra, I, I can't quote it directly, but it says there's no, there's no start or beginning to suffering, but there's also no end to suffering. And therefore like suffering isn't even possible in a sense, um, because it's the snake just eating its tail. There's no, there's no beginning to suffering. There's no end to suffering. Um, and everything is so ultimately one, if, if you will, everything is endlessly dying and re being reborn into itself over and, and over and over and, and over again. There's no room for a separate thing called suffering and some separate object to like clash against each other because it's all this snake eating, eating its own tail. There's nothing to push and pull against because the pushing and the pulling is the snake eating its tail and the seeming uh, object out there is also the snake eating its tail. It's like you can't, it's just the whole thing is the snake sort of eating its tail is the, the heart sutra. There's no there's no beginning to suffering. There's no, there's no end to suffering mm -hmm. paradox. It's a paradox, no beginning to suffering, no end to suffering. What's left? It's a, just, just this, <laughs> mm -hmm. just this. And then it's like, when he sent that email, I was like, yeah. yeah, well, goddamn, yeah. goddamn Josh. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Transcending our so-called suffering. It seems like this is what the path really leads to. It's transcending, right. you know, yeah. the, the the, I don't know, the, the seeming suffering, even though, yeah, I feel as though the suffering is what kind of catalyzes us onto mm -hmm. the path though, you know? Oh, oh 100%. Uh, Angela often says that, you know, the, the, the people who tend to wake up the most are those who suffer the most. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it seems to be that way anyway. So yeah, it's, it, suffering it, it really it, it it sorry continue i was gonna say go ahead it seems like how we summon it up transcend the suffering is through a certain mindset being able to see it a little bit differently you know being able to see our whole life differently and thus mm. the suffering a little bit differently mm. yeah and it really this this is this is why people get into this in the first place because they're suffering and they want to kind of alleviate that yeah. if you will that's the whole, that's kind of the, the whole point of Buddhism. If you, it's, you know, you know, life is suffering. Yeah. Um, you go to the noble truths, life is suffering. And you know, Jordan Peterson uses that all the time. It's like life is suffering, but he forgets the next part. It's like, this is how you alleviate suffering. Um, he says truth is the antidote to suffering. I think truth. Yeah. Um, whereas the, of course the Buddha would say 
I suppose the Buddha would say the same thing, but what they mean by truth is two completely different things. Mm. Um, but where I was, um, where I was going that is, is it really does propel you. And even if, even in deeper stages of kind of realization, the pain even seems to be the greatest vehicle for investigation or the, the greatest sort of mode of investigation for me that I lost my mother to suicide when I was eight. Um, so ever since then for, you know, the last 24 years, it's, it's been always anxiety about like something bad is going to happen to the people I love. Obviously it's a trauma response. Mm. And even after awakening, it was still there. Even after the non-dual phase, it was still there. Um, but I was sitting out meditating on a deck one day and uh, the fear was coming up. You know, my partner kind of wasn't texting me and I was like, you know, the thoughts came up like, oh, has something happened? Maybe the car crash or like some, these have been my thoughts like all the, like every day for the last 20 years. Uh, but now again, with, the, with when there's no self, it's like it, the thought came up and it was almost like the suffering was the perfect thing to just investigate the nature of reality. It was more perfect than anything else. It was just the, the arising of a thought. Here's the thought that I've been suffering with for my whole life. Here, here we go. Here we go. And it's like, well, try find a thought. Who's that thought relate to? Try find the edges to the thought. And it's just, it's just missed. And then oof, right back down, just calm in the body. And it's like, whoa. And it kept coming. I kept coming. But each time it was like, where's that going? Where's, what is that thought? And I don't know. It just, it seems like suffering is, is kind of the perfect thing to, to investigate. Um, that Josh was describing when he was, went through this awakening experience, not to give spoilers if you're going to interview him, but he, he, uh, he said he was feeling pain and so much pain for like days on end. And one day he decided to just really sit with the pain. And it's almost like he, he, he went right to the center of pain. He went, he went so into pain that all there was, was pain. It, and it was like kind of being held by tentacles and the tentacles, when he went into the center of pain and all there was, was pain. The whole universe was pain. Everything was pain. It was like the tentacles and that just released their arms like that. And Josh, Josh says all the time, it's like, you know, if all there is, is pain, then is there actually pain? Because no, because there's nothing to reference it against anymore. Ooh. So you dive, he, you dive right into the center of pain until that's all that is that ex that exists. That's all that's left. And you realize that it's empty and all there is is pain. And if all there is is pain, then there isn't actually pain at all. There is no, if all there is is suffering, there is no suffering because there's nothing to reference it against. Wow. And that, that was his awakening experience is super powerful. Um, but pain, it seems to be a, a great, um, great means to investigate this, I think. Mm, wow. That's good. Oh, I never really heard it put like that before where if everything <laughs> is suffering, then there is technically no suffering because there, how do you call it suffering? How do you know anything else other than that? Is yeah, exactly. Really suffering. Mm -mm, suffering is on it. Suffering is, is a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. A distinction. That's good. Say, this a, isn't me you know this isn't it yeah that's the suffering wow that's crazy. josh 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 says we define ourselves by what we are not and you know it's it truly really works like that um and having that word distinction 
there's a great book I'd recommend to anybody listening to this. Um, it's called The Genius of Being. Um, I'm not sure if you have you read or heard of the no no. It's a, it's a three part trilogy series um, of three books, but the last book is called The Genius of Being. I forgot the author's name, oh, but he really talks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look it up. Thank God for internet. You're like you're like the Jamie and the Joe Rogan combined into one, yeah, right? <laughs> Um, the genius of being contemplating the profound intelligence yes. uh, of existence by oh yes. Peter Ralston, the great Peter Ralston. Oh, you know Peter? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've actually talked to his uh, contemporary uh, Brand Brandon Brandon something. This is a while ago. I asked Peter to oh. come on, but he said he doesn't do public appearances anymore. So he sent the he sent an agent. <laughs> it's Brandon, uh, I forget his last name. Apologize if he's listening. Probably not, but I apologize. And interesting, the cover is a toroidal form. It's like the, yeah. it's a, you know it? It's like the, yeah. the yeah. yeah, it's kind of what we were talking about. It's the, uh, yes, there the you constants, go. The spiral that is dying into itself. Yeah. But at and the same if, time, if you, it's coming alive on the other end. It's, yeah. yeah. Interesting. If, if you were to see that, that picture right there is like a, a painful emotion. It's like, go right into the center of that and see yeah. what's there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. Like, Peter Ralston something else. If uh, anybody really wants to get to the juice of this thing, go into Peter Ralston's talks and his writings because this guy is direct as direct gets. <laughs> oh, he, he really is. I've only read those those three books. I haven't. I do. If you do, you have any other recommendations uh, in terms of his videos or, or books or writings? Um, I just know Peter from his videos. So yeah, I actually don't. Um, I don't think I've read anything. Maybe just some stuff online. I never actually went into his books, but. If you see some of his interviews that he's done, um, there's just something about him. There's the resonance that we spoke about with this guy. You can tell like, oh, he knows. Mm. He knows something. Um, I don't have any specific videos in mind. There's on his channel short excerpts from talks that he does. So I would just recommend that. Go on his actual, I think it's his actual channel. And just, <coughs> uh, I think it's like certain inquiries that people have and then he answers them. And uh, yeah, he just answers them in a very succinct way, very direct way, direct transmission. Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but 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 in that book, the genius of being, he 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 talks about distinctions, and you know, you know clearly there needs to be distinctions for you to operate in the world. There needs to be a distinction between um, you know different colors, different you know relative distances. Um, language essentially is just distinctions you're, you're creating distinctions between hot and cold all of that um but but kind of what we're talking about this kind of absolute view if you kind of peer into us into an emotion or if you peer into a sensation or if you go to the heart of pain where everything becomes pain what josh is, is talking about what i think he's talking about is this distinctions thing that peter was talking about <clears throat> where in when you when you kind of get there it's there's no more distinct, all there, all there is is suffering. So there's no distinctions. And Peter talks about kind of the distinctionless, which you cannot possibly comprehend it. Um, but that which is just distinctionless, it's it's not being, it's not non-being, it's not inside, not outside, not suffering, not freedom. It's not um, hard or soft, hot or cold, um, because really distinctions are just relative kind of um, abstractions of, of the nervous system and language, really. Um, but really... Um, I hate using the word absolute, but if you're going to use the absolute, really, it's it's a distinctionless kind of yeah. Just this, how could you possibly talk about that which is distinctionless? Um, yeah, right. 
but he has a whole chapter in that book talking about uh, distinctions, which I yeah highly recommend you check out. For sure. Damn man, this is a good talk. <laughs> You're real. Love, <laughs> love talking about it. It's yeah. like, um, it's it's nice to do this as well. Um, I before the whole no self thing, I actually kind of. I almost kind of imposed this on people. It's like, I love talking about it so much. So I was like, my friend group was like, you know, that suffering you're talking about right there. Why don't you just like investigate that a little bit more? And like, uh, who are you and all of this, but really this kind of just came from a hidden kind of place in me where I wanted to change them. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, that kind of, I, I don't do that anymore. I literally just hang around with my friends and we just do normal yeah. things. Um, so it's nice to be able to, use you as a kind of a, <laughs> a a format to kind of speak about this because yeah. you know we don't it's kind of rare as i said at the start it's, you don't really get to talk about it much so I, yeah i love talking about it for real man this is why i do it because i'm in the same way my uh people in my personal life don't really want to go down there too much and that's okay that's totally that's fine completely fine 100 fine yeah. but i was also evangelical in the beginning oh, really? of this thing because it's um I mean, it's hard not to be. It's kind of like it's the good news, you know. It's the gospel. It's like I wanna, because I know how much a, these certain mindsets or mindset, the mindset of no mindset, has helped me to negate the suffering that we spoke about. So it's kind of like if I see myself and others, which I kind of do, I want to help the others. You know, I want to help myself. So I mm. feel as though through conversation, it helps me, Gary. So I tried to, through conversation, do that with other people. But the mm. thing is, it's not that easy. They have to be open and receptive to it. You can't just say the magic words and then all of a sudden somebody gets it like this. They have to have their door open. You know, mm. there has to be a certain, I don't know why, what it is, but there has to be within somebody's brain, somebody's being something that is receptive to the message, a willingness or a yearning for truth. And uh, I don't think you can do it for anybody, right? There's a certain, there's a certain, I felt disappointment in that slightly in the beginning of this whole thing. When I was evangelical, I was like, oh man, well, I guess I can't save the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the good news, I guess, is how we all save the world is we save ourselves. And that's the greatest thing that we can all do. It's, it's all up to us <laughs> and it's, only up to us you know nobody yeah. else is going to do it for you and you're not going to do it for anybody else you know yeah. mm -hmm. and it's it's yeah to even think that we could possibly make somebody wake up is just like like Silly. what kind of yeah what how could you how could that possibly even occur like it's just it's not possible <laughs> um again this is a this is a force that's completely beyond your personal identity structures it's just like it's if somebody's going to wake up, you're going to wake up. Um, you can provide the tools and the means and the conversations and all of that. But, you know, um, I, I love talking about Angelo because he always, he, he always says that the greatest things, but, uh, you know, he, he, he had complete no self-realization for like 20 something years and just did not talk about it to anybody. Um, just, there's no, he didn't feel any need to only if somebody like came up and specifically asked him about it. Um, then he'd talk about it, but, Really, you know, as you said, you just have to have that receptivity and that comes, you, you can tell by talking to somebody, it's like, oh, what do you mean by that? It's like, uh, I kind of like what you're saying there. Um, 
but if really if somebody is like arguing with you and like see a lot in the comment section then you know it's you're better off talking about your favorite movie or something it's like <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah that's the beauty of this thing man it's that um i think i already kind of said it but it's it's all up to us it's all yep. up to us. It could be harrowing in that way. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to go down that route because I think innately we're all maybe conditioned in some way, looking for a certain savior, a certain outward idol that's going to save us, whether it's Jesus, money, our parents, our friends, mm -hmm. our girlfriend, our boyfriend, like something else that's going to make us feel okay from the external. Um, so I think when we realize that that's not it, that's not the truth, nothing from the outside world is going to bring that contentment um i don't know that's like a barrier that's hard to cross i feel like we've been conditioned in that way for our whole lives maybe lifetimes and it's just hard to break through and pierce the veil in that way um but completely agree yeah yeah that's uh but when you do find out that like it's all within yeah it can be scary at first because there's something in our brain that is just so concrete that that is the you know, the ideal life is the, the quote, American dream or the, the Irish dream. <laughs> and, uh, it's there's not, no Irish dream. It's not, <laughs> I don't think there's any American dream anymore, either, <laughs> if there ever was. But when we figure out that that's not it, there is a certain kind of fear. It's like, oh, I've been living a lie my whole life. This whole time I've been living a lie. So, yeah, I can understand why there's fear and people don't want to go down that route. But I think when you embrace that fear, you go straight into it. Um, on the other side lies that true, undescribable contentment and, and peace that we all do, I think, yearn for in the external, but really is only found in, in our own inquiry, in our own selves mm. within. Yeah, exactly. And it, it comes a lot down to, you know, if, if, if I wasn't to recommend kind of um, spiritual practice or looking into the nature of your true being or your true essence or, or who you truly are. The next, the next thing I would just recommend is like emotional work. It's like, so people are so like terrified to go inside and it's just, it's just resistance upon resistance upon resistance yeah, to emotions resistance. and it turns into trauma, which turns into the ways you operate and treat other people in the world. And trauma can be so bad that you just, you're just like relatively speaking, a horrible, horrible human being, like a monster essentially. And, you know, just people to even do that work is, is, is difficult. People don't want to even, some people are so hesitant to even go to see a therapist because they just, they just do not want to, do not want to see what's inside of them. Um, so I, I, yeah, it's just, it's just built in to just Western culture, I think, and, and really all around the world. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you know, David, uh, one of the first spiritual, spiritual books I read, which kind of propelled me into all of this was David Hawkins. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar and he, his book, yeah. letting go. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know uh, the book, was, but I know who he is. Uh, his book on letting go is fantastic for people starting, starting out on this journey about how, you know, just really feeling your emotions. Um, so if you go through a breakup, you may have the tendency to distract yourself, to resist it and to even talk to somebody else about it, which is another way of kind of slightly disassociating from it instead of just crying instead of just feeling the emotion so much uh, i seen a quote the other day hurt until it can hurt no more mm. and it's like just 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 right there and that was kind of 
my first taste into emotional work, if you will. Um, David Hawkins is, is great. <laughs> Don't agree with his, uh, his other kind of weird things he says about, um, the, his consciousness model and things like that, but, um, dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for the emotional stuff, like, it's great. Yeah. That's the beauty of the time we live in, man. There's so much, this, there's so many resources for us to be able to dive into. And a lot of it probably we're not going to resonate with, but also a good amount of it we can resonate with. And the beauty is that we have the freedom to um, explore what does work for us in our circumstances and our karma and go with it. There's mm. so much, man. There's something like, it's just, it can be a little overwhelming when you think about it because it's like, where do I start? Yeah. Um, but really, once you one does, personally speaking, find a certain direction, certain things that, certain things that resonate, that kind of like, uh, that pull you in more than others, it's um, it's actually easy. It's it's uh, not. I don't know about easy, but it's like it becomes like a smooth sailing process on how to look. Like you know where mm. to look and how to look when you need guidance. And we have it like this at our fingertips. It's it's so. It's just wild to me. Like before this time, before what 30, 40 years ago, you'd have to go to the library. <clears throat> you know, use the Dewey Decimal System to hopefully find a book to read, but now you can just search like specific terms and find something just like this. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's quite beautiful. I believe we're all, and I think you said this in the beginning, we're all capable of reaching this state of contentment. Um, and I really do think this is the time to do it. And this is like of all times in human history, if anyone wants to figure out what we're talking about and be guided along in the correct manner, this is the time, man. Uh, we have the world's encyclopedia at our fingertips. So I guess use it wisely. That's all I got to say. <laughs> exactly. And just the, the volume of teachers like yeah. Josh, Angelo, Adi Ashanti, all these people. David but, McGon. Uh, having, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't consider myself uh, any sort of a, a teacher just yet. I just love talking about this stuff. Um, but uh, th th there comes a danger with that as well in terms of there's people out there who you can really get involved with uh, for whatever conditioning is going on in your life that you resonate with, but can take you down a, a path of like, you know, that's not, not, not too good. Um, it's very spiritual kind of culty kind of yeah. teachers out there who will strip you of all your money and um, make you pay for this and that. And it's like, mm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to have some sort of a discernment as well. But as I said at the start, if you have that yearning for truth, um, regardless of what you think of it and regardless if you don't like the truth or not, if you just, if, if people are listening to this, if you just pray from the bottom of your being, just show me the truth. I want to know the truth. I do not care if that is literally the most despiteful thing that I have ever heard in my entire life. If it's the truth, I want to know the truth. If you, if you genuinely pray that, I think that yeah, you're, you're in for a, you're in for a ride, I think. Amen. You know what, man? I think that's a good note to wrap this thing up at. I think we started <laughs> off on that. We started off on your prayer, and I think that's a good note to come full circle. Um, come full circle. Yeah. Do you Wonderful. have anything else you want to say, or you want to just keep it at that? No, it sounds good. We yeah, kind of came full circle perfectly. So uh, I think that's I think that's great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. As I said, I love 
love talking about it um yeah. great great host as well so yeah thanks for having me thanks for coming on um wonderful talk thank you for anybody that listened this long and hey man keep doing your thing you're a real one <laughs> appreciate you coming on and spreading your wisdom sharing your time with us um yeah keep on keeping on thanks man that's it peace and love to you peace and love to everybody <laughs>